Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, all. Happy Monday. Uh, the conference finals are in full swing. Uh, I'm sure people in Tampa are overjoyed right now. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, and, and people in uh, – people in Vegas as well. Um, but uh, Peter, start us off with uh, some pre-show stuff. You know, so yesterday, this is not the happiest thing, but it's something that's worth noting just about social media and you talk about things and the influence people have on others in your positions. I was showing some stuff that was making the rounds from some screenshots of Facebook and I put a tweet out and I just said, you know, this is classless. This gentleman is a prick. And Basically, what he said was he took a photo of a person serving him beer at the Jets game in Game 7 and said, oh, on two nights ago, I was watching P.K. Subban playing Game 7. Now he's serving me beer. The server happened to be black. And that's just wrong. And it's sad. And, you know, we think this. we think we're above these things. And the only reason that that you know you make that joke is because the person's black you wouldn't do if they were green you wouldn't do if they were right. white you wouldn't do if they were pink and and that's the, the point that's so sad about this it's been a bit of a fallout um the gentleman apparently has resigned from his job and is a bit of social media clamoring i don't I, I that was never my intention it was more my intention to call out sort of some of the stuff that you see and so oh. people know don't put it out there you can if you think that fine but if you think it in public and on social media, you're going to get called to the mat on it. Well, I'll tell you what and, else and you should be. Does, Peter. And I was I was happy to see that tweet that you did that. Um, I thought it was actually great that you did that. And what it does is we always hear these things like, well, this happens in the States, but it never happens in Canada. Right. But it does happen in Canada, right. too. Yes, and it does. Things, And it's just to point out that, yes, there's stupid people everywhere and you definitely should not put these thoughts out on social media or there are ramifications. Like that's just the way it is. Well, and this, this is the thing. It's like, I mean, I, you know, people in their private lives, they, and, and like with their friends and whatever, they may have whatever crass commentary they want, want to make that that's all fine and good. But it's, you know, when you put it out there publicly, you're going to get, uh, a backlash from it and maybe it speaks to the who the person truly is or maybe it doesn't maybe they're just trying to be humorous but it's not humorous in this day and age and what everything is going on what i what i see is like a sort of domino effect rolling downhill from things like what's going on in washington right now where you know john mccain is and i don't i've never been a particularly big fan of john mccain but john mccain is a you know war hero and he's dying of brain cancer and somebody in the administration the current administration made a comment about him basically saying well his vote doesn't really matter he's gonna die he's dying anyway and, and talking about his service and and i'm like what happened to any kind of civility what happened to any kind of class in commentary you know i mean i i i make i i make tasteless comments about people that i don't agree with but it's it's never it's never mean-spirited it's never something that and and really i think that the decorum in the media and the decorum in politics and everything has really gone downhill in the last few years and it, it sickens me it really does it's a really good point mike because you would think with all the tools and abilities to communicate, we would be be at our best, right? Yes. It should make and force us to be at our best. But what's really happened is we're just seeing more of the worst that's out there. Yes, and that's sort of the, that's that's the side the side that really kind of is bothering, I think. And 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 when we think about it, about life and what we're dealing with, and we're supposed to find these happy places, like you know they're interrupted by the worst of society and that's the yeah. that's the downside right yeah it's it's, bas- it's basically appealing to the lowest common denominator and i i despise that because all it does is lower everything so ross what was the other thing you want to yes yeah, so you know back when the kentucky derby ran we and you know we online and otherwise we never really congratulated forens fire for coming in 11th and i think you know when a horse comes in 11th you should congratulate because 
Yesterday, Tiger Woods came in 11. <laughs> and for all the coverage that there was for a guy who came in 11th. It's a start, man. No, 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 no. It's not a it's not a start act. It's it, a start. This this is this is the media. This is the media whoring themselves out because an over the hill injured guy is still popular and everybody puts him up on a pedestal. It it, it really is sickening. I don't. He's driving. He's driving. He, he's driving traffic. I mean, he's not hurting well, anybody. That's fine, but you don't have to act like online. Act like there's a chance he could win this tournament. No, there exactly. really wasn't a great chance of him winning that tournament. He had one good round. I have the same feeling right now about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. But at oh. least after they get friggin' married. We won't have to hear about them ever again. With Tiger, every freaking tournament he's in, it's Tiger this, Tiger this, Tiger watch. It's like, you know, shut up. I don't are care. We, by the way, are we going to have a royal wedding special act? Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, definitely. All right. There's no question about it. We yeah. just won't invite Mike. That's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I couldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm a big royal wedding person. Um, that's definitely my MO right there. Yeah. Well, I see the three crowns in the back over there. So there of course, go. yeah, yeah. My, they, <laughs> I know my uh, my son's sweatshirt. They wore wore down the down um this past weekend was just he's got he's got a team Sweden sweatshirt from the World Cup of Hockey, and it's just funny how many people come up to you. Like, what is that? You know, what does that mean? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, I I I, I never is there a band called Lettuce? Because I've never I've never seen somebody wear a lettuce T-shirt. Oh, it's um lettuce. It's it's the taste of sadness. Come on, it's a it's like um. Or the taste of Ebola. There is there is a band called Lettuce, and I was just looking not, it up to see if that was one of their T-shirts. Someone got me this shirt because I I'm I'm you know, my wife is a vegetarian and I I eat meat, so this is like a joke around right, here. So right. I have it. Although, like I said, I just made a joke about the Ebola, which is bad, but I did. Yeah. Yeah. Ebola. Well, because the the Romaine Ebola. E. coli. Yeah, e. coli. E. coli. Ebola is a little different. There is a difference. A little different. The interest. The interesting thing about vegetarians, and and, and I've been yeah. a vegetarian. Tell me, I've gone back. Is a friend of mine said to me when I was a vegetarian, he goes, "You know what vegetarians are?" I go, "No, what?" He goes, "That's what food eats." That's right. <laughs> That's Listen, really true. I eat plenty of vegetarian things. No, I, I, I used to be a fairly strict vegetarian and I moved to Manitoba and <laughs> my wife and I <laughs> that's on the slogan. Welcome to Manitoba. You're no longer going to be a vegetarian. Well, no, we quickly realized that you know, like eggplant parmesan just doesn't cut it in 40 below. Right. <laughs> I get that. Eggplant on the chicken met. wings. I used to be a vegetarian, and then I moved to Manitoba. Yeah, I love that. That that's a good book title for Peter's memoir. That is a good book yeah. Title. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, I have nothing against vegetarians. I live with two and a half of them. I want my daughter. My daughter doesn't eat any meat either. Wait, wait. How, how can you be half a vegetarian? My son eats meat rarely. I think just to make me happy, just because he feels bad about it. Yeah. But Actually, not bring up like in the chat room. Thomas mentioned it, and I did just mention it. It was just breaking news that Margot Kidder passed away, and I'm sure oh. all saw the original oh, no. fans, and and so she was 69, and caused she, lived, she lived she lived a tough life after she lived a tough after, life the last 10 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was homeless for a while too. I remember, you know, but yeah, and I have to say, I think that was the best of the Superman movies. Was the Christopher Reeve, yeah. Richard Donner? No, they probably were. I mean, you'd like to think. That the ones being done today are better, but when you really go back and think about it, they're not. Not that one. Not 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 Superman for sure. No, not um, Superman. I mean, it yeah. jumped the shark when Richard Pryor was in it. Although yeah. we can make the argument at the we all bitched and moaned that Michael Keaton as Batman was like the biggest joke in the world, and twenty five years later, whatever it is, thirty years later. He's probably the best of the Batman. No, I'd give you an argument that I, th I, I think he was great, and I always, and I've always liked Michael Keaton and everything. But I, st I think Christian Bale is the best Batman. I mean, Bale was good, but I think those stories are just way better. That's yeah. the thing. Like the the stories of Batman, yeah. those the ones go to the essence of sort of the dark side of what Batman yeah. was. Right. And his torment. They never explored that in the comic book ones. Right. That's yeah. Be it. Jack Nicholson as the Joker is still awesome. No, he was great. He was great. I thought. I thought. I thought Keaton was amazing as Batman. I totally would. Wow. I always. I always thought he was. I mean, and I, it's so funny because that was so far 
before the whole Marvel thing, you know, like it was so many years. It was camp. That. It was campy. It was Tim Burton campy, and that's that. That's the problem I have with it now. After seeing the Dark Knight series and seeing how like realistic and gritty it was, but I have to say, Michelle Pfeiffer is Pfeiffer is Catwoman. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I still follow Julie Newmar on Twitter. I mean, whatever. Did we all see the new Avengers movie? Yeah. No, not yet. Right. See it Saturday. Um, yeah, we don't. Want to, I'm not going to talk about it. I'll probably you probably. It's hard to avoid it, but I'm not. It's hard to avoid it now, but I won't say. It's sad it. that they killed Iron Man. No. They Just stop. <laughs> stop. We can't say anything. We don't know. Actually, the one thing you'll know at the end of this, you'll have no idea what they did. <laughs> yeah, because it's really setting up for the next one. So there's a lot. Of <laughs> it's like it definitely ha it ends halfway in the middle. You really won't yeah. know who they killed or what they. And it's so funny that way to me. But that it's a. It's I don't know. I the kids hated it. Hated. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated really. It. Really, they hated it, and my kids. I mean, I, we were at Cornell that weekend. It came out. I we drove out. We drove like I don't know, forty five minutes probably to get because they wanted to see it that night that it came out. Everything like that. Yeah. They they watch it all. They watch every Marvel movie all the time, and they hated it. I mean, absolutely wow. hated it, and I think that's unfair because well, it was pretty good. But I just they they as from a kid's perspective, they just did not like it. I'm so oh, you know what about the Marvel ones. Right, Marvel movies. Yeah. You made reference to the Batman ones. Yeah, you know what are the Batman equivalents in the Marvel movies? The two Fantastic Fours. Yeah, yeah. Interesting enough, um, a friend of mine who is he's a friend. He lives next door to my mom, but he's a friend. He was the one of the producers and the first director on those movies. His daughter's in the wedding scene. Okay, and they were shot in and around Vancouver with other studio effects and stuff. And um, this is kind of neat. So. My nephew had a huge crush on Jessica Alba. So my mom was coming out to visit. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? And, and so she came out to visit for Christmas. And so Chris, she comes over to where at my in-laws for Christmas morning. And she goes, oh, I have something here for you, Eddie. And she pulls out this envelope and hands it to him. And it's an autographed picture from Jessica Alba oh, to him. And um, he, I've never seen a kid. I guess he was 13 at the time or whatever. It was just <laughs> bonkers. It was pretty neat. <laughs> that, um, that is awesome. I yeah, like the Fantastic yeah. One movies. Oh, you know what? I don't feel so good. Why? No, I'm going to leave it there. People know why. I know why. No, no. no. <laughs> Stop. It won't. It won't. It's um. It's a great. I mean, actually, the way that the the great thing about this movie is not the ending. It's it's the great the great way about the movie is how they did blend these different characters together. They did an incredible job at that. They did. There was like 14 characters, and you wouldn't even. There know. are some amazing scenes mixing them, and they're just like. You know the stuff between um, and I'm not. This is not. This is not a spoiler at all. But the stuff between um, you know, what's his name? Um, Star Lord, who's yeah. Chris Pratt, and Thor is just awesome. Fantastic. That that when those two are interacting together, it's just off the charts. Yeah, the you would never. Dave Batista actually stole yeah. a couple of scenes and ad libbed. He, who knew he could ad lib? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, they and it Triple really does. Did. <laughs> it does open up some huge moral questions. I mean, the, the protagonist, who's the protagonist, who's the antagonist right. in this thing? It's really, there's some great stuff in it, but it's too, it is too deep for children. I'll say that. It is too deep it for children. It is too deep for children. I agree. Like, and, the, and, and Marvel is, of course, appealing to adults and like us who grew up with comic books. Listen, when you get in charge like 38 bucks for 3D, it's not for kids anymore. But Marvel, no. superhero, superheroes are, you know? So it's like you, you take your kids. Your people, well, you, so I have an issue with 3D movies. Okay. And... I find that you lose some of the visual acuity because the glasses aren't as great yeah. and you almost need to go buy really three good 3d movie glasses. Uh, well, and, and but the problem is when things come in and out and they get close and stuff, if you have, um, yeah. if you have to wear glasses and things, Thank you. it throws that's it on. Okay. And, that I can see. And, and right. that's reason yeah. I only use them for reading and stuff, but even I noticed that my what eyes they, can't they, adjust what, fast enough. Yeah. Peter, what they need to do for four eyes like us is they need to have the clip-on 3D glass mm -hmm. that, that oh, goes. That's a good idea. That is a very good oh, idea. Mike, that's actually just, brilliant. Yeah. That's you can buy so I, I tell you about this. Like, I didn't. Eat, I saw it in 3D, and I have no. I, I don't remember anything about it being 3D. Like I don't remember anything. I don't even remember slightly. I know I wore glasses. Oh, there were some scenes that you definitely. I probably just didn't put it. I mean, I just to me like 3D. There's just a lot going on. That's the problem. I, there, I would there, rather there. be in a big. I'd rather be close to a big. Like I was in a screen in a movie that had like relatively small a small screen for a movie theater. I mean, big, but you know, relatively okay. small. I'd rather be in a movie theater with a gigantic screen in 2D than a small screen in 3D. Uh, That's so 3D. I will say this. If you want to see a spectacular 3D movie, Thor Ragnarok 
Which yeah, is, no, that, yeah, that's true. I saw that. In the I, I just find with action movies like that, the 3D gets lost because the cuts and the pace of the movie are so fast. Yeah. yeah. It, like it doesn't it, there's things that it catches you once in a while and it's really cool okay, but, but i i find you need yeah. more of a nuanced type thing for it as yep. opposed to the the the, the thunderous and, stuff of superhero movies and in a in a movie that and since i worked in a movie theater for 10 for 10 years and was an, a projectionist i i know all like all the little ins and outs and things of because I, I used to take care of the projectors and and do the the lenses and things of that nature and like a movie like gravity the one with sandra bullock where you basically have a, a a blank field that's in outer space, and then certain things like like asteroids and things come come out of nowhere. That movie is perfect for three D, and you could feel almost feel those things coming right at you. I saw Titanic, the hundredth anniversary. Then did the did the uh, the anniversary? Yeah. The tw- I think it was the twenty fifth anniversary of the movie in twenty twelve. It was the hundredth anniversary of the actual sinking. Talk about a movie that didn't translate to 3D. It's like, okay, what's the only three? The the scene with uh, Kate Winslet sitting on the couch on the couch uh, that was nice in 3D. But other than that, I didn't understand what why they were making. It was just a promotional. You know what, 3D yeah. then was yeah. sort of in its infancy yeah. compared to 3D. Now the the Star Wars movie, yes, actually may have been the best movie for 3D because it wasn't too fast and the images that were in mm-hmm. front of you were incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's probably. I thought I thought the best three D movie ever was Avatar. Avatar was phenomenal. Yeah, I never saw Avatar, so I can't disagree. Avatar in the movie theater, three D. The three D of Avatar was unbelievable. Like it is because so much of it was just a fantasy but type. I think there's anyway. a fair point to it being too fast, and also yeah. if you have glasses, I had never thought about that. Yeah, it is annoying. I, I always lose my somehow. I lost my three D glasses like right away. You know, when I get oh. inside that kind of thing. It's like, what? The, how do I do that? I just, I'll lose anything. It just proves it. Anyway, let's move on to the show, shall we? Yes. Monday, May 14th. That Hello, Lucky World. It's Monday, May 14th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Peter Tessier in Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund. And you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are here. The weekend is over. Uh, it's a magic weekend for teams. If your last name, if you're if your C starts with a W, basically, the W's got the W's, as we would say, yep. and um, and I was first start off with how right I was about Washington. Oh, um, shut up, please! Actually, I picked Washington too, so we were both right. Did you? Yes. I thought you picked. I thought you. I thought you picked. No, I picked Washington. Remember, I may, I may, I may have misrepresented Russ's vote. I thought. Yes, I thought you did. Said, oh. Did you told me you're man? Well, I apologize. Washington in, in the other show too, Mike. I've been picking Washington. So I'm the only sucker who picked Tampa, but I'm telling you right now, Tampa is still the better team. They're the better team on paper. See, this is the argument, and this is this is how you know that I picked Washington because when I saw Washington beat Pittsburgh, I saw something I never saw before in the way the team is, the way Ovechkin is, the way Holpe is. I right. wasn't betting against that, and the. The blend of, of size and speed is killing the smaller Tampa forwards because Tampa five on five is getting destroyed. They have almost only power play goals. I don't even know if they have more than one even strength goal so far. Right. I think it's one. Right. And the other thing is, and and Nikita Kucherov has been horrible since the Devil series. He piled up all his points on the Devil series. He's had three points in this series. He's a minus in the playoffs. He hasn't had a goal in seven games. I got to tell you right now, Eck, if he were negotiating with me right now, I would shorten the terms on that contract because everybody looks to Stamkos. He gets all the pressure and all the yep. praise, and Kucherov gets to slide by. They will not win without him scoring. He's got to score goals. I am paying that guy to score goals on his next contract. Well, I mean, ye- yesterday's game illustrated the problem so far. And, you know, I, 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 always, I, I always fixate on goaltenders. And, you know, when we were talking about this last week, and I think it was when we were, when we had Kevin on the show, we were talking and Russ was mentioning, you know, Holpe and, and, uh, and how, you know, Holpe could potentially come up big based on the, how, how he played against Pittsburgh. 
And Holpe really hasn't had to come up big in this series so far. I mean, he's made a few saves, but he really hasn't had to stand on his head. The problem is, is that Tampa is being undercut by their bad goaltending. Vasilevsky has been terrible. And two in two instances in game one and game two, he gives up a goal. I mean, that turning point where Kucherov scored and they called the too many men on the ice penalty. And then I think it was like six seconds left to go. And they and, and Ovechkin scores off the faceoff. And then yesterday they get the goal to make it 3-2 and they they have a power play and win the face off and score with like one second those are killers and i mean yeah. those those both of those goals were directly responsible to vasilevsky and he's killing them right now but so is their Period. bottom three brayton coburn is awful he's the worst defenseman on the ice right now he has been he has been really he's been really inconsistent and uh yeah i think in general i mean i think i think defensively I, I feel like the the there's no back checking at all from Tampa in a lot of situations. Oh. I mean, they really they're really they're. I mean, maybe it's because they've been chasing the game a lot and they're trying to catch up, but there's there's no back checking at all. They really aren't doing anything. I I almost get a, I almost get the feeling act that they underestimated Washington, thinking that Backstrom was out of the lineup, and not that it would be a piece of cake, but you know that they that that Washington was going to have to play that sort of strapped down defensive style close to the vest one nothing two one game that they did against Pittsburgh and the way Tampa has played they've allowed Washington to get more generate more offense I mean Devontae Smith Pelly you know is scoring goals I mean he sh really yeah. shouldn't be he's a third fourth line guy but you know they're getting production out of players other than ones named Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and that's the key to them winning if they get production from second and third line guys it's going to be tough to stop them, especially when your goaltender's not playing well and you're not getting a ton of offense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough to stop them now as it is. I mean, it's, it, it, but you know, once you've won two games in the other team's building, I mean, that's really rare. Oh, that worked for Columbus. I know, but that, that was, that was, those were, those were close games. You know, that's like, this has been, right. I mean, those are both overtime games. So there's a different world. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on the series, Peter? I, I think the challenge that, that Tampa is just facing is, is that, the Capitals literally are playing like the weight of the world has come off their shoulders yeah. and they're loose. They're just out there. Like everything to them now is gravy and you can yeah. see it in how they're playing. Well, now, I mean, that's a simple way of saying it. They're doing a lot of things well, but they, they're not tightening the clutch and the sticks tight anymore. Yeah. They're, they're, they're flowing and they're doing it without Backstrom too. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is something special to watch, really, and I'm actually really happy for Capitals fans, in particular well, Ovechkin, because you know it is, Peter, yeah, Eck and I mentioned it last show. Eck did it before me, but I was thinking it just so people know. Uh, when Kucherov, not Kucherov, when <laughs> Kuznetsov got added to the top line, that was massive, but it was also in part because Verona was playing so well that it allowed Trotz to make that move, and both of those things have been massive for the Capitals. Really, the other thing is. If Anton Strowman's that hurt, that he's going to be a minus three every game, then put Slater Cuckoo in. This is John yeah. Cooper's own fault for, again, yeah. going with his guys. Now, he did call out his guys yesterday for the bad five-on-five -five play. But you know what? And he, and look, there's not much else he can do as a coach, but he could change up the defense. But, but calling Good. them playing uninspired. I know. Well, that's his, it's his only thing, Peter. When you're this bad five-on-five, what else can you do? But now it's on you when things aren't working. And, and just because a team's bad at five on five, you got to also give credit to the opposition. Do, but it's, it's, it's not just they're a little bad five on five. Yeah. This yeah. is historic bad. So, but Russ so Paul Maurice, who made a really interesting comment um, last week, and he said, you know, the difference in the playoffs and, 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 and the regular season is that you don't really grind guys down. You, you work with them. You're keeping spirits up. You're trying to keep everyone moving along in the right place. You don't want to, you don't want to get in their kitchen about stuff that much. And he goes, it's a different approach to how you manage games and players and, and attitudes and, and the highs and lows. And I thought that was really interesting when I think to what Cooper was just saying. And, you know, when you've got to go publicly after two games, you know, into a series right? and bring that out, are you out of tools in the toolbox? I, well, I asked that as a question. I don't know what no, the answer is. Not, Peter, the stat is if you lose your first two games at home in a conference final, the team that wins those first two games yeah. is 39 and two. He saw yeah. that stat and he 
he that was the only thing he could do at that point. Yeah, but the only, the only the only problem is Russ that if he does sit Strawman, it probably won't be Cuckoo. It'll probably be Schuster, and that's but what. But again, it shouldn't be. It should be a more mobile defenseman. Their defense. It's just, I, you, I agree. Not, like the the thing with Washington is, is you don't want to necessarily try to shut down what they're doing you want to contain it so it's a managed right. offense right. and if kuku if kutu gives them the bit a better chance of that that's all that's you need out of it you're right well well i i said i said before the series started that there was two ways it could go in terms of washington one um either they you know they slayed the dragon that they've been trying to beat for years in pittsburgh and they would be you know, they'd be satiated. They'd be satisfied with with that victory, and they would just not lay down, but and not try. But you know, their their motivation would be gone. It seems to be going the way the other way, which I described as the Boston Red Sox effect. They beat the Yankees in two thousand four, and then they destroyed the Cardinals in the World Series because all the weight was off their shoulders. So mm-hmm. you know, right now as is, that's the way they're playing. But. Uh, I think Russ, you said Kuznetsov made some comments about how they've played yeah. at home. Post game, Kuznetsov was interviewed, you know, in the national interview, and basically said, paraphrasing, "I wish we could play this well at home for our fans." Yeah, because they're three, they're three and three at home, and that's so bad that like their best games have been on the road, right. and and so that is the only hope for Tampa. And Tampa could win one in Washington. There's no question about it. But I don't think they're going to win both. And I think right now Cooper does need to change up things, but players do need to play. And, and Kucherov is Kucherov is one of them. Uh, even Ryan McDonough is a minus three. That's not going to cut it. Like if you, yeah. if your if your top guys aren't going to do it, they're in deep trouble. And next year they are going to have a problem because again, the teams like the Winnipeg's and the teams like the Capitals right now, when you're big and fast. When you have that small lineup, you're susceptible. The only way you could beat it is by is by being faster. And if they're not faster, and the t- other teams are catching up speed wise, and they're bigger, then you've got a problem. How much, like th- how much do you think? How much do you think John Cooper is wishing he had uh, he had Ben Bishop as a, as a uh, option? Because right now, if he had Ben Bishop as his backup with Vasilevsky starting, he'd be, he'd be going to Bishop. Yeah, he probably would, but I don't think that's the entire entire thing. I mean, I, I think the big part of it. I really do. I, I think he gave up a bad goal in that game. I don't think he was the reason in the first game. I do think Colby was tested well in the first game, not tested very well in the second game. But again, we're seeing Alex Ovechkin play like right now, this moment, the last four games, like the best player in the playoffs, and we've never seen that before. And and that's something that most teams can't contain. Let's face it, if he's hot like that. There's not much you can do. I don't know. I'm gonna. I, I agree with you, but I'm gonna transition in saying that I think the best player in the playoffs right now is Dustin Bufflin. Um, yeah, he could be. He could I, be. Think, I, I think he. I mean, he's just hit the. And you know, let's move. Let's move over to the Winnipeg series because yeah. obviously, game one, game one, and you know, and Bufflin just comes out, and Bufflin has scored goals, just just um, back breaking goals against teams like in Nashville in 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 this game, in the first game. Um, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts seeing this, one, Peter? What do you think? Uh, well, I'll go back to the comment Patrick Liney made about Mark Andre Fleury not being tested this in the playoffs yet, and James Neal coming out. Well, go ahead and test him. Well, yeah. the, the first one, the first goal was a wonderful play by Shifley to see the Bufflin was there, yeah. and he sort of froze Flurry. And Bufflin had a chance to come in around. He could have gone a couple different routes, but he just hammered one because he saw Flurry was kind of caught. Yeah, and boom, it's in the back of net. Well, test one fail. Um, second goal, that was the line A power play. Um, that one, I mean, again, what makes that play happen was the read Blake Wheeler did because he had an option to go back up high to the point, but he brought the puck down. And at that point, line A saw him, everyone close in on him and he moved in with the stick up and Wheeler just fed and boom. Okay. Well, you know, power play goal test two fail. And then the, um, then the, the controversial goal, the one that I think, probably should have been goalie interference yes i agree based on and i said and people were saying no 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 and i said based on what the nhl has called the yeah. postseason and all yeah, they season did a, long, they did a change of pace on that one you're right it, it didn't make sense to me but i mean i can't fault flurry for that but he didn't play the puck when it was coming across and he wasn't interfered with to play it at that point right. he was interfered with 
he couldn't get back to stop it is what the problem was. Right. And and, what, and what he jammed them at the beginning. Yeah. They they but, caught Vegas on their heels. They caught Flurry on his heels. Yeah. Then when they sort of you know recouped, it was a different game. And and maybe that's what we're going to see tonight. For whatever reason, Vegas wasn't ready for Winnipeg. So here's here's what I saw, Russ. One of the things that Vegas does really well and is their bread and butter is their trans the way they go from puck acquisition or puck possession to transition game is as fast as any team in the league. Yes. And it's incredible. What Winnipeg did was they didn't give them space to transition. They took away that space. They played their own game against them. Yeah. So when Vegas wanted to wind up in the in the neutral zone, yeah. they all yeah. the Jets already had a guy going back and they wanted to regroup in their own zone. They had they had players in there taking away the space. So yeah. what they normally wanted to do to break out, it just wasn't there. And it's exactly what Vegas has done to so many teams this season. Absolutely frustrated the hell out of them. And they got a big helping of their own medicine. Uh, now, can that happen two games in a row? I'm not sure. Wait, Win, Winnipeg had two. Go ahead, Go ahead Russ. Go ahead. I was going to say there was some hypocrisy there in the game also because Ryan Reeves, that he shouldn't have been penalized. They were penalizing him on on reputation, not on the actual play. That was really bad. That was that was almost embarrassing that he was, and he tried to sort of keep his cool in the locker room after the game, which I give him credit for. You know, I I, I shouldn't be the guy that actually trumpets Ryan Reeves because I you know certainly ripped teams for carrying him, but they are going to need Ryan Reeves to sort of hit back at Bufflin. Look, the one thing about Bufflin is when he plays like this, he is unstoppable. But the problem with Bufflin is. He never plays like this for more than a few games in a row. Right. Well, he's now into his third series playing. Yeah, in the playoffs, he's been like this. Yeah. And when he was Buffalo, in the playoffs, the most so game. thanks for the jinx, Russ. Buffalo's been a great playoff player his whole career. You know, like in, yeah. and in Chicago, he was a great playoff player too. It, um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a good soundbite to say that Mark Andre Fleury hasn't been tested, but really, it's ludicrous because he yeah, has. That's crazy. Tested. That's he crazy was tested thing. in the LA series a ton. Of course, he was. Yeah. yeah. Right. But but you know that that being said, I mean I think what what you were saying, Peter, Winnipeg effectively uh, they had they were basically using two four checkers and they had them planted like at the top of the faceoff circles yeah. in, in in the defensive zone, which is where which is where Vegas does their transition and that's what starts everything. And so if you can continue to do that, plus they were all over them. I mean, they were yeah. in the defensive zone. There was never any time for anybody to really set up anything early in that game. Maybe later on it, it sort of settled down a bit, but if they keep up that pace and can keep up with the pace that Vegas maintains, then I think Winnipeg probably wins the series. Nobody's been able to keep up that pace. Here's the difference. I think with Vegas and other teams, and this is what happens, the further you get and the better the competition plays. And I think it'd be similar if it was Nashville playing in the series and not the Jets. You go down the lines, there's speed to go keep up with Vegas. Vegas is kind of a two and a half line team. Mm -hmm. They're very good. But no, when you've got to dress Ryan Reeves because you don't have size, the Jets are a bigger and as fast team and you want Reeves out there to cause disruption, you've now taken a valuable skill spot that you could put a host of guys in, and you're putting in Ryan Reeves, who's chasing Bufflin. Bufflin doesn't take that bait. Like, he, he yeah. just won't. He's smiling he at him. Last game. He got very close to it, actually. He got close, but he was smiling. Like, he, he you know what? And, and Buffalo, Maurice will talk to Buff, and Wheeler will talk to him, and they'll get a game plan going. But if Reeves, all Reeves is going to try and do is get Buffalo off the ice, you, you're not playing hockey. You're worrying about the wrong thing. And, and, yeah, well, and but, the Jets yeah, are too deep to do that. You yeah, Carrier was hurt, so I mean that—that's the reason why Reeves was in there. So okay. you know, I don't—I don't think he was implanted in that lineup to be a professional disturber. I think you know there was a legitimate injury with Carrier, who's been you know a fairly important player for them as a bottom six guy. But for, you know they, you know they like I, I know it was a game in game six against uh, San Jose. They used Reeves like more than he's ever been used in St. Louis or in Pittsburgh. I mean, like, I think like 10, 11 minutes, which for him is a lot. So, you know, I, I think that if you get anything out of him in terms of him getting underneath Bufflin's skin, it's, 
you know, it's a it's best case scenario. Did, you guys, did anybody get a sense like I did that like the Jets um, layoff really affected them too? Like I think that I, I really I really felt like you know the fact that I mean I'm sorry that that the, the Vegas the, yes. Vegas layoff affected them because I, I I honestly felt like you know when you're just two nights before that going toe to toe in a game seven against the Predators the the Jets were still in amped up mode and they were still going off the emotion yeah. of that. And I felt like Vegas had a little too much time to like start believing their press clippings, you know, and and just sitting around and not really. And they they did it, the first period of that game was definitely it got better as it went along, and Vegas started to started to like realize okay, we're still next, we're still you know Vegas everything's gone so right for them. I felt like they just have not, not they haven't had to really deal with adversity yet, you know, and well, this is this is something that they're gonna have they're gonna have to fight through. One thing, go ahead, guys. Because Vegas is an expansion team, their list of black aces is really weak, right? It's weaker than any other team in the league. But Gallant still has a guy like Cody Glass, which, yeah. again, if you look at the Winnipeg Jets, one of the big changes for them was when Kyle Connor got more ice time, eventually getting to the top line. I don't know if they stay with that, but that's made a huge difference. He has eight points. He's a rookie. Cody Glass has size. He's 6'2". They might want to throw Cody Glass in there for some shifts because at the end of the day, I'll take Carrier out. I'll put Cody Glass in and see if I can generate a little bit more offense too because that's a really skilled guy with size. You know what would be interesting in this situation, Rasa, and I think and he's a Winnipeg kid like Cody Glass, but if they hadn't traded Brendan Leipzig at the deadline. Right, I mean, there's a guy who could come right. in. He'd be playing. Speed, no yeah. speed burn, speed, absolute speed burn. And they do it, Brandon. Look, they do it, Brandon Peary. Which again, if you want to throw him in for to bolster the power play, I'm not yeah. against that because he is a power play specialist. But Gallant is very stubborn. He well, not uh, in any changes. How about putting in Tatar? I mean, the guy, the, mm-hmm. unless he's hurt, what the hell is going on yeah, with the guy? Hurt, treat- we don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah that's uh, a good one, point. One thing, Peter, and I'm, you probably you probably have more information on this than than either any of us do. Uh, in I think it was in the second period, Enstrom got wasted by yeah. James Neal, and then he went off. and I don't know if he ever came back. I mean, has there he any? Did. He did come he came back. back. Was he okay or anything? Yeah. yeah, he he was fine. Um, he finished the game. So obviously, they took con- concussion protocol, um, and he is expected to play. Okay, because that's. He got cartwheeled. Given yeah. that hit, oh, I know. He got that leveled. That was a real serious hit. A clean yeah, hit. It was. Very serious hit. I mean, um, I can't, you know, it's it's really funny. I mean, it's been a big win, and there's been more controversy and talk in Winnipeg about their street party problem that they're having with <laughs> issuing tickets to it now that are free and people scalping them than people are really, really interested in sort of dissecting the game. And I think given the way that game went, there's sort of a cautious optimism, but there's been a lot of national hockey media that's come on the radio here and on the airwaves who have said, this is probably the end of the line for Vegas. And, and I don't know how you draw that conclusion so quickly. After one game, I can't draw there. I can't, draw, I can't go there. And, well, and I have, they've been waiting for the reality check for two rounds, Peter. That's what it is. Well, my, my, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, I made my pick on Saturday. So it was after the show and, and I, um, I was just, you know, I really, I really, I really, well, yeah, that was really, I was really, um, you know, obviously none of you read it, <laughs> um, but I was, uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not important, but anyway, um, no, and, and I went back and forth on a lot of different things to try and, and watch the games that these teams play in the regular season and really, and really thought about it. And I ended up with Winnipeg in five and, um, and I felt like really bad throwing that out there because I'm like, I just, but I just felt as if this was a team that, you know, Winnipeg matched up really well against. I felt like this is a Nashville type team that had two lines and not four lines. Like you were saying, Peter, like it, it's like not quite there, you know, and and it also felt like they had just done the the Jets just the difference between the Jets and everybody that they've faced they they that 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 when that um that Vegas has faced so far Vegas faces L.A. It's an older team that has won before and people have sort of expectations. Da, 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 da. Then they played San Jose, who had a great season, great defense. Um, also has been to a Stanley Cup final recently. Now they're playing another team of destiny. So this is like this is like a team of destinies colliding right here, right? So you have another team. It really has that. Winnipeg's gotten, they had a great regular season, second overall, but have gotten better each round of the playoffs. And they just, and also the big thing that I go back to with them all the time is the sharpshooting thing. Like when you beat it, when you play a goalie like Mark Andre Fleury, it's crashing the net is not, is not what you, you know, he's been, he's very good 
within five feet of him. You know, Mark Andre Fleury, you're not going to score close on him. Crashing that's not going to help you very often. Um, but if you have good shooters who have hard, powerful shots that can find spots, yeah. you can beat Fleury. And then yeah. that's and that's and that's what you're seeing. That's what you saw in game one. When, when- I, when when you have Patrick Line shooting a one timer from the face off dot, on a I mean that's like that's the Ovechkin right. shot, right? And that's like they both, no, no one's gonna miss that, right? He, but he hasn't he hasn't scored that goal in the playoffs, really, has he? I mean, he's been open to score that goal. That's the problem. One in, he had one like that against Minnesota, and I think okay. he had one similar in against um, Nashville. But mm-hmm. to your point, Act, I mean, it's a really good point because if you're not worrying about Line. Yeah. Now you're worrying about Shifley, who's oh, leading yeah. the playoffs and goals. He set an NHL record with seven goals in a playoff series. Um, yeah. You know, and he's he's absolutely on fire. And if you're not worrying about Shifley, you've now got Stasny, who seems to want to score. And if well, you're not Stasny, worrying about Stasny, he's a great playoff player. Yeah. Connor, who had a couple goals in the Nashville series, was relatively quiet. But you know who has zero goals? Steelers. Right. Like, when's it? Is he going to come unlocked? Yeah, I mean, and he's had chances. He's had, he's had, he's had plays. Had chances, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And I, I, but I think at the end of the day, the forwards on the forwards for Vegas have no idea what to do with Bufflin. Like that, and that's it. Well, that's Tyler Myers. Myers has played great too. The yeah. size is causing a problem for for the Vegas forwards. There's no question. I mean, they just don't. I mean, they they don't. They're not covering their point men well. At all, like when you know the yeah, forward, well, the forward should cover the point guy. Not happening. Well, it's just not happening. You know, you know, you know why they're not covering the point men well. Would you want to get in front of Dustin Bufflin's shot? No, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. That's why. No, I know. I mean, One point, Bufflin had somebody. There, there was a real classic Dustin Bufflin moment in this game where he had a guy a down. Line. You got to remember that. And a guy down on the ground behind the net. Bufflin has his stick turned around and is shoving his butt end down into the down and down into this. <laughs> yeah. Like how is that not got called? Yeah. There were certain things that were just kind of baffling to me, but. At the same time, I'm. It's it's just what he's what he is. And now, I felt like on the goal that didn't count that they should have been goalie interference. Did anybody else get this sense of like the NHL feels like they've been so nice to Vegas in so many situations that they had no. to not be nice to him? No. I I don't no, feel no. like they've been nice, but it's you know I understand why people get those thoughts because those yeah, things are so weirdly inconsistent. Right, and it's time for you to get your turn of of the shaft. Right, you know well, what I mean. Right. And I mean, at this I, point, it's two nothing. Whatever it was, I think it was two nothing. What was it? Two to one, maybe. Well, I, yeah. I, I can only say, I can only say this. For I've I've heard this from a couple Saber fan friends of mine. I've heard it from a couple Leaf fan friends of mine. Who the the one team they want to see lose is Vegas because the, the Sabers haven't Sabers haven't won in forty eight years. Yeah. And the Leafs haven't won a cup since '67, and this team comes in as the expansion team, and they and they, you know they win the first they win the first year, it it pisses them off. But <laughs> it's honestly, funny everybody wants Vegas to win, except for people in Winnipeg and bitter fans of other teams. Like you know, right. but but everybody else, <laughs> all, every, yeah. all regular. Sure if you if you do a survey, I'm sure there's people a want... fans in Philadelphia who don't want them to okay. win since they've won since 1975. Something else too. Yeah. Vegas really does doesn't really get much in the way of criticism either because everybody's like well they're playing with house money and yeah, this right. is great and and but here's some real criticism james neal if he really wants this next contract he is only 30 years old he's got one goal in his last four games he's got three points in his last six he, he's yeah. been a minus two i mean like james neal needs to play better james neal needs to be one of the leaders if not the biggest leader on this team he's been there he's been in the playoffs he should be a guy they can count on. He's been completely neutralized lately, which is yeah. a good, which is you know a positive for Winnipeg. I mean, in their win against the Sharks, he had a goal, but he really like he's cooled off a lot, and they they need a lot more out of him. They do. Yeah, this is gonna. I mean, it's it's going to be. It was interesting to see. Also, the other thing I think that wasn't made enough of is that this, this was the first time Vegas started a series on the road, and I think that also does play into it because that building is so powerful in Las Vegas. Everybody I've talked to who's been there say it's so loud. I think he bounced back to. I, I do. I think this is going to be a long series. I, I by the way, I heard Damien Cox say on the afternoon show that he doesn't think there's even been a good series yet. So I wish they would just take him off the air because at that oh. point, it's like. I want to. I just want to throw this out there. I know I shouldn't repeat what Damian Cox says because we all seem to have the same opinion. But I just want to say this: a series doesn't have to go seven games to be a great series. Yeah. No, go six and be a great series. The Washington Pittsburgh series was a pretty great series. Yeah, think about yeah. what happened in that series. And we've had a, a game seven in a series. It's like, how do you even say that? Like, come on. The man. Toronto Boston series is good. I know. The Predators Jets yeah. series is good. What? 
Yeah. You, you you say it because you're interested in 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 shock value rather than right. sensible. Commentary. You know you know what Damian Cox needs. He it's like the thing times when everyone used to talk about like you know getting that phone call that Jerome McGinley should have got the phone call from Ray Bork about it's time to cut ties. Yeah, Damian <laughs> Cox needs the call from Al Strachan. <laughs> it's time now. You can just exist on Twitter like I do and be a general <laughs> headache to people, but it's time. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I the one thing that you, the argument right that you make is that there have been way more games decided by more than two goals in this playoffs than probably any other. But that, that doesn't mean it wasn't a good game. It doesn't mean it's not good. It means like, but then people argue about the Winnipeg, you know, Nashville series not being a good series. It's all the games, you know, none of the games were really close, right? So they're back and forth each way, which I guess. Yeah, I mean that that's true. You can you can say that for sure, but I think that still that doesn't change the fact that going into game 7 in Winnipeg Winnipeg Nashville was really exciting. I mean, that was a really exciting series and yeah. you, know, you felt like that was going to be there and you and there were some of course some strange things happened in that game, you know. The incredible thing about that game, we haven't really talked about that game obviously because of when it happened, but um or with Peter at least, but the incredible thing about that to me still was that that Winnipeg scouted that that, that was the way to score on Pekarene and and knew it. And, and knew that he was that, that he was that he ranked thirty first in the NHL on sh on bad angle shots. Yeah, and and you know on wraparounds, and that's why they were th they, you knew they were trying wraparounds every chance they had, and they finally got some bad angle shots and scored on them. Well, I mean, I, like I said at the very beginning of that game, I think it was right off the opening yeah. faceoff. Kyle Connor goes wraparound, and yeah. if he doesn't hit the side of the net, it was one nothing. About what twenty seconds into yeah. the game, yeah, they knew that they knew exactly what they were going to do with Randy in that game, and that that is something to scout to the scouts. I mean, yeah, try, check this out. And this is something where I think someone like Cox should look at, and thanks to this website, TV by the numbers. So last Saturday's playoff game, and I guess that was um, San Jose and Vegas, yeah. was, was the leader. Was the leader yeah. in its time slot in 18 to 49 and had a 0.5 share, which is 1.84 million viewers. Yeah. Something like American Idol did beat it for actual viewers, but not for the rating share. And it beat out every other network. And it okay. beat out a boxing match. And it beat out NCIS. Yeah. And it beat out 48 hours and Jimmy Kimmel. Why is Jimmy Kimmel on, on a Saturday? Yeah. I don't know. But that's exactly it. I mean, and if Cox thinks well, those ratings don't matter because uh, it matters. They they matter huge, and this is the stuff because the NBC deal is coming to an end very soon. That we the NHL needs to have happen because it's going to be super important. Yeah, for the next negotiation and yes. to get other bidders in because they can say this is making ratings. And you know what? The San Jose series was actually a pretty good series too. I liked it. I thought it yeah. was good. It was good. San Jose made a made made a, made a real series of it. You know, yeah. they, they did. Really did. It could have gotten blown out. Yeah, I mean, the first game of the series, people remember that. You know, like the big blowout, but they came right back and won game two after that. You know, so yeah, it was kind of. It's not. It's hard to really justify. We're not seeing like we haven't seen like the big triple overtime games, I guess, or what people really want to see. But you know, I think that could that could still come, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that coaches are getting a little smarter. And I felt like in some of these blowouts. In these blowout games, you've seen you know them you know basically waiting and say we'll get them next game type. Field. I've seen some, you've seen that a lot more in the playoffs than you usually do. You've basically have teams like pulling back and saying we're not going to score three goals in this third period, so let, it's only game two. Let's wait and get them next time. But you've seen a lot more of that, and I think that that is usually not common. So I think that's the argument. But to, to say these playoffs aren't exciting is is crazy, especially because just the Vegas story in and of itself is exciting. He didn't say wasn't exciting. He just said there haven't there haven't been any good series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really not. I mean, that's kind of crazy. That is ridiculous. I mean, and, and the Winnipeg story. Disagree with me to everybody else on the panel, but it's like whatever. Yeah, and the Winnipeg story is a great story. I mean, there's there's so many great stories, and you know, the Stanley Cup final is going to be is going to be is going to be two really fun teams, no matter how you slice it. So I, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of it's it's pretty unfair. Um, so I want to move on real quick before we go to talk about this um this ruling in on this in the Supreme Court today um in the U.S. basically surrounding the fact that. This has opened the door today for uh, legalized sports gambling pretty much throughout the country, you know, in America. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. Welcome to the rest of the world, guys. I know. I know. And uh, they, you know, they basically have they, they and and so much so that the NHL just came out and made a statement on this. Yeah, I got it right here. Yep. I have it, too. Uh, OK, um, let's see, we will re review our current practices and policies and decide whether adjustments are needed. And if so, what those 
adjustments will look like. It's important to emphasize that the Supreme Court's decision has no immediate impact on the existing league rules related to, related to sports wagering and particularly wagering involving NHL games. Now, I'm telling you right now, um, this is this is a game changer. <clears throat> maybe maybe not as much with the NHL in the United States because you know it's clearly the sport, the one of the, the fourth of the four major sports that people know the least about. But I still think it will have an effect. It's going to definitely have an effect on basketball, football, and baseball. Um, but this, I think, you left, know, I think you left out one of the biggest sentences, Mike. But I'm going to stop you. But the, how they started this thing, um, which was what the NHL came right out and said, which is it said the Supreme Court's decision today paves the way to an entirely different landscape, one right. which we have not previously operated. Right. I, I left that out because of course it does. It's no, the, but for the NHL to admit that is something is, is something because that, that when it, when a league comes out and says that, you know, this is this is definitely going to change the way we operate or potentially could change the way we operate, even though they're saying it's not initially, they are giving themselves the out in the beginning that this could change the way they operate. And that they, that once they once they evaluate this, they could actually they could actually and I don't know I don't know how you actually change the way you operate and I think the whole rule in the United States people are going crazy it's like it is ridiculous that it's legal in in, in Nevada and nowhere else I mean does anyone else realize that that is stupid sure in this day and age? You know, and I, I think it has more to do with um, like younger players who don't make a lot of money and the officials look what the NBA yeah. went through with the gambling with with uh, Terry Donaghy yeah. that was a horrible scandal they don't want any part of that so that's what I think they're talking about but here's yeah. the downside. I worked in Atlantic City for five years in the hotel industry. I saw all kinds of gambling money coming through there. I left that city with, there were probably 25% more hotels then than there are now. This will be just yeah. a quick fix down there. The money will never go anywhere past the two blocks of Atlantic City. And people are already saying that in Delaware. Delaware's had parlay gambling for over a year in sports betting. It's done nothing for the neighborhoods or anything. People are saying that. This is a good day for people who like to bet on sports, and I don't want to begrudge them of that, but the revenue that comes from that has to go to the right place, and so far there's no evidence of that. Well, so, I, I think – go go ahead. I was yeah. just going to say, so up in Canada, we've had regulated gambling through our provincial lottery commissions for a number right. of years, and you go across and you have things like sports select or sports action, and it's based – Pro line, and you're basically picking your sports, and you're betting, let's say, on point spread. Um, you know, then they change. Then you had to do more than one bet. You had to do three teams or something. So you had to be. It wasn't just like someone taking five bucks and betting it on the Leafs to win over over Tampa in a game. Right. It had to be. It was a little more complex, and and, it, and then it got into other things too. And it's gone with different sports as well. And those. Now in Socialist Canada, that's used as into the provincial coffers, and is most of those companies and the governments that run them designate where that money goes. A lot of it goes to things like health services, right? Yeah, and well, other things like in this country, right? So how this? I mean, the difference I see based on this news, which is huge for you guys, yeah, is it's absolutely massive. Is how do they regulate it? And I know regulate is maybe one of the dirtiest words that you can say in the U.S., it, but it's it's a necessary thing with gambling. It is. Well, and, and where you all you have to do is go to England, and look at how they regulate it and what it does. Well, they have been, they've figured it out, and they do a really good job of it. It may very it may very well be regulated by the state lottery commissions, yeah. as, as you know. I, I've heard that that's that's the case. But I, I think one of the things that the statement in the that the NHL made. Uh, they're going to find a way to profit from this because obviously you're using the 31 NHL teams as a mechanism to gamble. So they're going to say, okay, well, if you, it's a mechanism, if it's, you know, you're using our teams right, to bet on, right. then we better get a piece of the pie. So you can't use us unless we get 10% of the cut. Well, right? they, they, like can, they don't own they don't own the rights of what you can bet on. I'll lo love to see that go through the Supreme court, yeah. but to give you an example in Winnipeg. Um, True North sports and entertainment has a deal with the provincial lottery corporation. And there are, there is a, a shark club set up across from the MTS center that has a restaurant bar section and a gambling section. And the revenue from those lottery terminals 
a percentage goes back to True North and is designated as part of the debt payment on the building and mm. revenue for the building costs because mm. you wouldn't have them there without the building. So right. there's part of it that goes through. And, and remember, remember the original plan for um, what is it? The, the Pittsburgh arena um, when they were going to build one with a casino beside it and everything was going to be paid from the slots. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's a lot yeah. of initiatives where this, this stuff goes back in, but as it sounds like now it's open game for yeah. no one to say you can't gamble on sports. No, but I think what the yeah. NHL will do, I'll give you an example. The NHL could use their SAP stats and have a show about hockey gambling if they want to, to help you, to help show you every week who's hot, who's not. This is what you gamble on. Handicap. Also put out a publication that you sign up for yeah. And, yeah. and pay oh. for every month. That would I'll, do the I'll, same I'll thing. tell you one thing, Russ. I think you're you're on the money there. Yeah. I'll um I'll stick to the other stats that are accurate. Not no, I hear you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just giving you an example. No, I think you're bang on. I, have a I think you're bang, bang on there. And why wouldn't the NHL offer the ability to gamble on its own website on right. games? Right, like that's that's the the ticket. So so should the NBA. So should Major League yeah, they Baseball. they won't do that. They won't do that. Well, you know, online gambling has been, that's part of the reason that this is this is happening is because, I mean, online gambling has already exists in every which yeah. way. Right. Um, and, you know, part of the reason this is happening is, you know, people in New Jersey are saying, something just go on the internet and gamble from New Jersey on this game anyway. So why are we, you know, I mean, that's definitely, I, but what's interesting to me about this is when I first started Hockey Buzz and I went up to the NHL and I was talking with a major sports outlet about, you know, possibly partnering or selling to them. And I when I went to the NHL and I talked to them about it and I, because I wanted to get, some opinions from people up there that I really trusted um, on how, you know, you know what they would be okay with. Um, and I asked them specifically about gambling and about like advertising, like gambling advertising on the website. And I said, what do you guys think of that? You know, cause they didn't, at that point there was no advertising, you know, like you wouldn't, this is before DraftKings and stuff like that. So there was no, just like, but there were plenty of gambling places. There was no gambling advertising on NHL.com and there wasn't on hockey buzz for a very long time um, for the same reason, because you know, they, they, they basically were afraid of it. I, I thought so. I was. I said, you know what? I'm going to take the high road too, and just and just avoid it. Um, and then you get, you know, the, the money is so much better from gambling advertising than anywhere else. So it's a frustrating thing to sit back and watch other people do it. Mm -hmm. and then when NHL.com started doing it, well, I just said, well, you know, I, I guess we're going to do it too because yeah, I mean, absolutely, you right. should. But you know, they're going to come out with a with a new list of rules and regulations because, as an example, if you're a player in that league. You're not allowed to gamble. They still don't want them to gamble, but now I have a feeling they're going to make those rules a lot tighter and a lot stricter. And if you get caught, a lot worse for your career. Because again, it's like if you play for a team, you're really not supposed to tell a family member, hey, this guy's hurt or I'm hurt and go bet on the other team. And it's hard to regulate, but they're going to have to figure out a way to well, make those, make that be like very, the penalties have to be very severe. Let's well, that's, well, that's, think that's, about it from the official side. We've already had problems in the NBA. Right. Um, we've actually had problems in the NHL with coaches, Mr. Tockett, Mrs. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. It yeah. exists. And the issue, they're going to have to be, I mean, hammered. But here's the other thing you need to do. You need to make sure your officials have no incentive to ever do that. So right. if you're going to nickel and dime in your next CBA agreement uh, with with your officials about stuff, and you're going to grind them down, you're giving incentive, and it's happened everywhere. So don't worry about it. Don't call it gambling incentive. Call it corruption incentive, right. because right. you can go anywhere in this world, and when you don't treat the people who are there to enforce things well, pay them well, do them well corruption breeds itself yeah. it happens with police it happens with all sorts of things well, and you know that's the biggest concern actually i will say this the nhl i just looked up their salaries compared to the nfl now of course it's a lot less games yeah. these guys can live the whole year around the minimum salary is one hundred and fifteen thousand. after 15 years you could be making around two hundred twenty thousand. that was back in 2014 so Think about that. That's a lot better than the NFL because a lot of those people are part time. Well, so I think I think the NHL has less of a problem than some of the other leagues, Peter. Well, right? one of the one of the effects yeah. that it, it could could conceivably have. Remember, the NFL releases in detail 
their injury reports to avoid a situation like you were just re referencing, Peter, where, mm -hmm. hey, somebody, well, he's got a knee injury. Well, the way you avoid that is be completely open, which yeah. flies in the face completely of the NHL saying upper body, lower body, or, well, no, in, during the playoffs, we don't reveal what the injury is. Well, no, you're going to have to. If there's if there's a gambling aspect in it, the secrecy avoids the, the conflict of interest and avoids the any kind of uh, suspicious activity. So you're going to have to reveal what's going on with players. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Um, before we get that's out of here. very good point. To be We're, fair, I just looked it up. This is crazy. We would never have guessed what this Zamboni drivers make about thirty-one grand a year. If you think about it, that is not bad for part-time work. They're actually really well paid. Yeah, it's not bad at all. No, it isn't. I mean, you know, that's. I mean, for driving the Zamboni around, you're right. Yeah. Um, but um, okay, and a lot of these guys work. You know, other in the NHL, we're not talking about the other lower leagues. Right. Um, before we go, uh, my blog I wrote today. Real quickly, um, I've been exploring this for a couple of weeks now and finally got the go-ahead to actually write it from somebody in Montreal that I was talking to. Is that the Montreal Canadiens are exploring the option and the possibility of trading for Jonathan and Taze. That the Canadians have had discussions about with the Blackhawks about this, and this is a, obviously a big trade rumor, but and this is something that the Canadians would like to do. I don't know, I have no idea what would go back the other way. Um, you know, I haven't gotten that at all. Um, we thought we threw something interesting out the other day. You threw it out, Russ, after the show. I think was about you know the idea of does Carey Price in Chicago make some sense? And it kind of yeah, does. Yeah. Um, but um, I you know I haven't, I haven't heard that. That's just us speculating. But I have heard that you know that Jonathan Taves is is definitely a name that is is on the Canadians' radar. After the year he had, I guess you know maybe it's not super surprising. He had a he had an off season. Um, but and the Canadians are desperate, desperate for this kind of player, um, a big time center. Well, and, uh, and we were we were talking about at, talking about this after the show. Extrap mm -hmm. extrapolate further from that when it comes to like, a potential deal like that. Corey Crawford is a Montreal native. Yep. And if right. Carey, if Carey Price is going in a deal for Taves, there's the potential of it being a bigger deal with Crawford and Taves going to Montreal, and Price and something else. Maybe Galchenyuk like, or something. Like Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk, who is basically on the uh, on the outs in Montreal, that that might now I, honestly, if it was a deal like that, I don't know who the hell is getting the advantage there because there's there's there are question marks into with Taves going forward and there are question marks with Price going forward. So I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just uh, it, it is fascinating to me that this is the first big rumor of the summer and there's a lot. There's, it feels like this is like the tip of the iceberg as to what teams are considering. Now, whether or not this ever gets done again, this is early rumor phase stuff. So. Sure. It's like, you know, a lot of times this doesn't happen, but it gives you an indication as to what teams are thinking about. Right. Where Montreal is thinking right now is big like this. They're thinking big. They're thinking going, willing to make a big trade like this. Well, um, I, I, first of all, I would hope I would hope that Montreal would be thinking about center after the completely idiotic uh, idea of moving Jonathan Durant, who is a winger, mm -hmm. to center. It was a complete failure. And But one thing I would give cr more credibility to this rumor on is – Mark Bergman was an assistant general yeah. manager in Chicago, right. and he has a relationship with Stan Bowman. So it, both teams are, you know, had difficulties, and I think both teams are in the mood right now to shake things up. But I, I Jonathan Tate, I just can't imagine Jonathan Taves in another uniform yeah. other than Chicago. You know well, what? We did talk about this. We yeah. we did, and we yeah. said at some point if they were ever going to trade one of those two players, Taves or Kane, it was going to be Taves. Because Kane can still score and is still fast. Taves can still play for another 10, 15 years. I'm not saying he can't, yeah. but he's never going to be as fast as Patrick Kane. And that's I, I would I would think if Chicago is going to trade Hayes and 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 the, the return is price. Let's just just play yeah. with that idea. And we're, right. we're, again, just as a reminder to everyone, we're just spitballing here yeah, based no, on some basic information. Yeah. I don't see the value in sending Crawford to with to, to to Montreal for Chicago because you're going to have to take some salary back for, for for it and their biggest problem is salary so if you take if you take price back and you get rid of Crawford you have to I think your value for yourself is parlaying Crawford someplace else you may have to do two deals but not at the same time it's possible like, it's just interesting but here's the thing about taste this has got the same trouble as 
the Shea Weber deal has in that you've got a player who still has a great reputation, um, sterling person, no issues right. with them whatsoever, right? But what's happening on the ice isn't is far is far away from what's got them that reputation. Right. The decline is happening. And sure, you want Jonathan Taze on your who doesn't want Jonathan Taze on your team, but you don't want Jonathan Taze at ten million dollars a year thinking he's got to be your number one center and produce like a number one because he's producing closer to like a, a, a two three. Right. And 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 that's the problem here, right? True. Very true. And that 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 is how this why this gets now, you know, if you're Montreal, you sit there and say, okay. We still think he has it. It's just you know the situation in Chicago. He needs an, he needs a fresh start. He needs to come place some come someplace else. Um, and if you're, I think you do have to get a guy like Crawford back here in Montreal because if you trade Carey Price, you have nothing else really uh, goaltending wise for a little while. You know, I mean they've got some young young goalies, but you're still if you're making a trade for Taves, you're still think you're a playoff ten, potential team. Right. You're not you're not going back to a rebuild. No. So but they, and he also hadn't said that they're rebuilding. So. And they won't, and they won't, because right. they won't, they won't rebuild. Um, they'll, they'll, they will try to retool it as they go here. That's the impression I get, at least, completely from talking to them. Well, that's the impression I get too. Whether it's right or wrong, that's what it seems like they're doing. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, time, time to get out of here. But just something we will talk more about it for sure. And um, remember, guys, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Enjoy the games tonight. Talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.